Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're starting a brand new series this morning. It's our Lenten series, the, se- the series that we, we go through as we are on this journey towards the cross and towards resurrection on Easter. And, and this series, it's called Redemption. And it, and it talks about how God take it, takes us from a place of brokenness, because that's where we all began, to a, a beautiful place, to a transformed life, a life that is lived for him. To, to be redeemed is to be saved by God, to be, to be changed by God, to be renewed and restored by God. We're going to tell some stories, some of them from the first section of the Bible, the Old Testament that was written before Jesus was born, uh, some of them from the New Testament. Uh, and uh, today's story, it actually is not as much a story about just one individual. It's, it's a story, an illustration that God gives uh, to a group of people, people who lived in Judah. And to give you just a little bit of background here, uh, the people of Israel and the people of Judah were two separate nations at this point, okay? They had, long before there was a civil war, the nation was divided. So God's people were divided into two groups. And they had been, at times, faithful to God, but at other times, very unfaithful. At other times, they would uh, even oscillate, kind of between, well, we want to worship the Lord, but we also want to worship these idols, you know, and kind of do it our own way. They, they wanted to have it both directions. So by this point in Israel's history, uh, things aren't very good. In fact, the nation of Israel itself has fallen already to the Assyrians at this point. They've been taken captive because they've been disobedient time and time and time again. And finally, after telling God over and over and over, we want it our way, we want it our way, God says, fine, you have it your way. And they are taken over by their enemies. So now the people of Judah, they're still a nation, but ironically, they're living very much the same as the Israelites had lived. And so they're a nation in need of redemption as well. And God would speak to them. He'd be trying to draw them in through the words of the prophets. Prophets were people, remember, who listened to God's voice and then conveyed God's voice to God's people. So here in, uh, we're going to be today in Jeremiah chapter 18. And it's, Jeremiah is going to receive from the Lord this image, uh, this metaphor that's, I think, one of the most powerful metaphors for redemption in the Bible In fact, uh, we've got a video that kind of lays it out for us. It's based on the text of Jeremiah. So let's check this out together. I went to the potter's house today and found him working in his shop. As the clay spun on the wheel, his hands became intertwined with his creation. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped because the clay was unsuitable for his design. So he crushed it back into a lump and started over. I realized that what the potter can make depends on the quality and purity of the clay. So if the clay becomes dry and too hard, it makes it difficult to shape and form. As I stood there watching the potter work, God spoke something to me. He said, Can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? Can I not mold and shape you into the design I want? As the clay is in his hands, so are you in my hands. As I thought about what God said, I realized something. 
What God shapes his people into can depend on our response to his refinement. To truly become the masterpiece God intended, we have to cooperate by letting him mold us into his design. As I left the potter's house, my prayer was this, Lord, you are the potter. We are the clay. All of us are the work of your hands. So have your way in us. Amen. It's a, it's a powerful metaphor when you think about it. And it's, it's a metaphor really in that we see both uh, some, some judgment and some hope. Okay, Because you see that the potter is working. He's got this clay. He's trying to make it into what he's designing it to be. But it's not shaping up right. There's, there's some issue, and it doesn't really go into a lot of description as to what that issue is, but there's some issue with the clay, and the potter's not happy. What does he do? Well, he takes it, and he, and he smashes it back down. That thing they've been making, he smashes it back down because he's displeased with us. So there's some level of judgment there that, like, this is not what it should be, and we're not going to keep going this direction. We're going we're to put it back. But it's also, you notice, it's not a rejection of that clay. It doesn't say that he took the clay and smashed it and chucked it on the floor and got some new clay. Nope. He takes it and he smashes it back down and he begins to rework it, to reshape it, to make it into the design that he wanted it to be all along. There's some, some words of judgment and of great hope because if we're the clay, that's us. That when things get messed up, it's not that God rejects us, but, but God takes us and smashes it back down and, and reshapes it. Continues in verse 6 as he applies this to Israel. He says this, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, or destroyed, but then that nation re renounces its evil ways... I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will plant and build a certain nation or kingdom, but that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. So this is very understandable to the people, right? Because remember, they've just seen, not, well, not just, but, but a while back, they had seen the nation of, the, of, of Judah, or hauled off, right? The nation of hauled off uh, into exile. And so now here we are, and we're looking and seeing this can happen to us. This can happen to us. But there's a choice. There's a decision to be made. And, and really, this, there's, there's a hope in this, and it goes all the way back to creation, right? Remember back Adam and Eve, we've got the first sin, right? And, and right then when God calls them out, even at that point, he expresses hope. He gives a prediction, right, of Jesus coming, right, that, that ultimately that Satan would be crushed by Jesus. You, you see in the, the covenant with Moses that he promises great things, that he's going to rescue his people, to pull them out of slavery, to plant them in a new land, and they could have this amazing life, but it's contingent upon their choice to obey God. Okay, I can, I can plan to, to crush a nation, but if they say yes, if they say yes to me, I can change that. 
I can also plan to bless a nation, but if they choose to reject me and my ways, I can move on. That's what God is saying here. He's, he's affirming the fact that all of us, we've got free will. Okay, We've got free will. It's true for us today. We get to make decisions about how we live our lives. We do this stuff as well. You see, we, we know how God calls us to live, but we want to just tolerate our own sin. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I, 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 maybe I'm not even as bad as I used to be, so I, I don't really need to worry about what God is saying here. I just want to kind of do it my own way. And then we wonder why things don't work out so well when we do it our own way. Take a tangible example. Finance is easy because it's countable, right? Uh, the Lord calls us to live in certain ways when it comes to our finance. In Proverbs, it talks about the value of saving, right? Uh, throughout the Bible, it talks about the value of generosity. Um, it, it talks about the dangers of just pursuing more and more and more stuff for me and my own entertainment. So if I choose to reject God's voice in that way, and I choose not to save, and I choose to spend all my money on me, and I choose not to be generous, and, and then tough times come, and rainy days come, and, and I'm not prepared financially, and, and all of a sudden I'm facing all these hardships, and I'm like, God, why would you let all this happen? Why are you doing this to me? And God's like, well, John, I, I told you how to live, and you rejected all of it. You, you didn't pay attention to all of it. What did you think was going to happen? We're kind of like the kid who, like the little kid who sees the hot stove, and mom's like, don't touch the hot stove, and they go and touch the hot stove, and they're like, mom, how could you let that happen to me? <laughs> I told you not to touch it, right? If, if you insist on touching it, I'll let you touch it, but this is what happens. Actions have consequences. Whether it's for a nation or whether it's for individuals, our actions, they, they have consequences. And so this is what happens with the people of Judah. God gives them a warning so they could be redeemed. There's hope here. You're like this clay in God's hands. If you, if you would live for him, if you would choose his ways, he wants to reshape you, to rebuild you into exactly what he's created you to be. But listen to how the people respond to this message of hope. Verse 11. Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all of Judah and Jerusalem. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. I'm planning disaster for you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. Right? There's hope. Verse 12. The people replied, don't waste your breath. We'll continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our own evil desires. Ouch. What, what a tragic response. Shut it, Jeremiah. We don't need to hear it, Okay. We want to live how we want to live, all right? That's how we got here. It's how we're going to continue. We don't need your little words. We don't need your little Potter stories. We don't need this stuff because we want to do what we want to do. Don't waste your breath. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. And it makes me wonder, is something deeper happening here? Why this response? Why do they, and sometimes we, why do we respond in this stubborn, hard-hearted way, when we've seen God act time and time and time again, and yet we just say, ah, I don't want it, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to live this way, I just want to do things my way. I wonder, perhaps they believed somehow that they lacked the power to follow God's way. Perhaps they looked at themselves and their ongoing series of failure after failure after failure, and they're like, you know what, we don't even... 
I don't even want to try anymore. Have you been there? Have you felt that way where you have, like, you have, it feels, feels like you failed so many times. It's just not even worth the effort anymore. It's just, is there really hope? Could things really be different? Is this, is this word really for me? This whole talk of clay, is that, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's for somebody else. Maybe that's for somebody else. Or maybe we get this kind of fatalism, right? That's just like, well, I'm just clay in God's hand. I really can't, I can't do anything. It's just, no, that, God doesn't allow that. He, he makes it clear earlier that, that our choices lead to certain consequences for good or for bad. So why is it that we fall back into these same destructive habits over and over? I was listening last week to a, a podcast by Pastor Craig Groeschel. And he said this, I thought it was really impactful. He said, you do what you do because of how you think of you. You do what you do because of how you think of you. In, in other words, your behavior and your identity are very, very closely related. Your behaviors, your actions, they're not just random. They're, they're actually fairly predictable. And a lot of it has to do with the way that you look at yourself. Like, for example, let's illustrate this. Um, let's say that, that you, if you have a job, that there's an opportunity for promotion, right? There's an opportunity for something new. Or maybe it's a, another job, right, that maybe you'd be a great fit for that would be better in your life. If, if you look at yourself in your vocation, if you look at yourself with some confidence, you're probably going to apply for that job, right? Because you say, you know what, if, if I don't get it, it's okay. I, I still got my job. But, you know, I, I, I think this might be the right thing. So, and I, I know I'm good at what I do, so uh, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try it. And if you look at yourself with confidence and you don't get it, you, you, you'll be disappointed, of course. But you might even go into the boss's office and say, hey, you know, I understand I didn't get that. What, what do I need to do to be more qualified? Like the next time something like this comes around, uh, what what would I need to work on here so that I could be better equipped for that, right? But, but if you look at yourself without that confidence, either you don't apply or when you don't get it, you're like, you know what, I didn't want it anyway. Forget them. Like, I, I don't want their stupid job. I, I don't even know why I applied. The fact is you did want it. That's why you applied. And yet you're lacking that confidence to say, I could actually get there but i got to work on some things. Some things got to change, right? So if we look at this in our, our walk with the Lord, when, why is it we would reject God's voice? I wonder if we look at ourselves and we say, you know what, this is who I am. I do this dumb stuff, and I know I shouldn't do it, but I just, I've tried over and over and over, and I can't be a different. Or this is how it is in my family. We do this stuff. You don't know us, John. Like this is generation after generation after generation. Grandma did it, dad did it, I do it. It's how life goes, right? It's just how it is for us. You do what you do because of what you think of you. What if? What if you looked at yourself differently? What if you looked at yourself the way that God looks at you? Because the Bible is really clear that when we give our lives to Jesus, that he adopts us into his family as his daughter, as his son, right? So you're not a failure. You're not a mistake. You're not a screw-up. You're not a series of screw-ups. You're, you're a child of God. And if you start there and say, okay, I'm a child of God, 
And so if, if God is building something here, if God is shaping me in a certain way, and it's not the way that God wants, that I want to be that soft clay that God can take and God can smash that down again and build it up. And it might hurt. I might not like it. I might not, I might not like everything about it. But I'm a child of God, and I trust the potter. There's no better place that my life could be than in the potter's hands. And so, yes, Lord, I just want to say yes to what you're doing. I want to say yes to your work. I want to put myself in your hands because there's no better place that I could be. I I want to quit trying to do it on my own because I'm going to make a mess of it if I try to do it on my own. I need you. I need you. It's a very different response. It's a response that God can use. And I want to encourage you, friends, to have that kind of response. And honestly, the text here, it's going to show us kind of the opposite side of what we get if we don't do that response. So I want to challenge you to have that kind of response because there's hope when we're soft clay. When we're not, it doesn't look so good. The people, they take a different response And so we skip forward a couple chapters, and and God gives them another illustration, another clay-based illustration. Verse chapter 19, this is what the Lord said to Jeremiah, go and buy a clay jar. Then ask some of the people, the leaders of the people and the priests to follow you. Go out through the gate of broken pots to the garbage dump in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and give them this message. Okay, so remember the original field trip, it's to a potter's house, right, where they're shaping clay. Now we're going to the complete opposite place. We're going to go out the gate of broken pots. We're going to go out to the garbage dump, okay. Outside Jerusalem, this is a place where the people would take their trash, right, they would throw it out into this valley. And this valley, interestingly, had some more history. Archaeologists have dug it up, and this is a place where they would go for pagan worship, okay? So you, they would, oftentimes they would worship God there in Jerusalem, but they wanted to worship these false gods. They would go out to this valley, and horrific things happened here. In fact, they've even found altars where people would sacrifice their own children. It's horrible. It's like if there's a opposite place from God, it's right here. And he says, okay, Jeremiah, you take the people and you take your little clay jar and you go out into this place where they, where they prostitute themselves, where they worship other gods, where they do all of this evil. You take them and you take this jar and you go out to this place because I've got something to show them. Verse 10, as these men watch you, Jeremiah, smash the jar you brought. Then say to them, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. As this jar lies shattered... So I will shatter the people of Judah and Jerusalem beyond all hope of repair. They will bury the bodies here in Topheth, the garbage dump, until there is no more room for them. Wow. It's devastating. It's like the exact opposite of the hope that we heard earlier. Basically, if you want to go this way, if you want to harden your hearts, this is what it looks like. Before we started with clay... Now we've got clay, but with one major difference. This clay has been shaped, and it's been heated up in the kiln, right? It's, it's been fired there, and now this is hardened clay, okay? This is now a clay jar. And, and in this metaphor, that heat, that hardening, it's not a good fire. It's not a refining fire. This is like to represent the hardening of their hearts, and if you, you know, if you worked with clay, you know that it's very soft and malleable, right? If you've held a clay jar, you know that this thing is not very flexible anymore. 
In fact, if you've ever dropped a clay jar, you know they don't bounce, right? If in doubt, don't worry, there's a YouTuber here who's given us this uh, fine piece of videography showing us what happens with clay jars when you say drop them or smash them with other clay jars or say throw them on the floor or smash them with a hammer or perhaps even an anvil or maybe even if you choose to take it and run it over with your car. There we go, right? They're not known for their flexibility, you know? And it's an illustration, it's an illustration of what our hearts are like when we harden ourselves to God's voice. Remember, they only get here because they say, we don't want to hear it. Don't waste your breath, Jeremiah. We don't care. And so you have this amazing contrast here between soft clay that in the right potter's hands can be anything, can be amazing, and this hardened heart that cannot be shaped anymore, that cannot be changed. So when pressure comes, it breaks. What are you? What does your life look like? Because we get to choose. We get to choose the condition of our heart. We get to choose our response to God's grace. If hear me, if you're hearing my voice, if you're online, if you're here, there is hope for you. Okay? You you're not so hard and that there's no hope. Okay? There is hope for you. The, the Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is reaching out to you. I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit that our, our hearts can be softened, that we can be like that soft clay once again, that we can be used, we can be shaped by God the Father, by the potter, because God wants to do that work in you. He wants to do that work in you. And he's challenging you, will you be that soft clay? And you know, friends, we often struggle with this because there's a part of us that really likes the predictability of being that hardened jar, right? Because the fact is, clay is messy. Pottery is much more clean, right? You know, if you're, if you're a piece of pottery, you know what you look like. Clay is messy. Pottery is clean. And, and it's messy to put my hand, life in God's hands. It's messy to say, Lord, take me, use me, have thine own way. Lord, you're the potter, I'm the clay, shape me however you want. That's messy, it's scary. What if he makes me into something I'm a little bit scared by? What if he challenges me to, to, to uh, be kind to somebody that, that I currently am not kind to? What if he challenges me to forgive somebody who I hate? What if he challenges me to be generous? What if he challenges me to share his word? What if he challenges me, I don't know, this is scary. Are we willing to say, Lord, have your own way? I just, want to be, I just want to be clay in your hands. Clay is malleable. Pottery is rigid. Are, are you willing to be shaped by the Lord? Mark referenced earlier in the announcements um, what God's doing at Asbury University. Um, we had the, the joy of going down there um, couple, not too long ago. Um, just, just to experience the Lord's presence, that's it. And it's truly amazing because as I sat there, I just, I just felt the Lord so close. And there's, there's nothing like manufactured or fancy about this. It's, uh, it's a bunch of college students just wanting to know the Lord. And for whatever reason that the Lord just chose to just come down in power upon this place, and to just, to his presence to just be so tangible and so close. And, and, the, and nobody was there trying to make a name for themselves, to make a platform for themselves, to cash a check, any of this nonsense. They just want the Lord. 
And it excites me so much to see these college students doing this and to think about what God can do with a generation of leaders who expect that God can move and expect that God will move in their lives. I mean, these folks are going to come out and they're going to lead churches. One of them could be your pastor someday, right, and telling you about what happened in their life when they were there, right? When we are soft clay in God's hands, it is amazing what God can do. So, friend, you and I, we've got a choice to make. How do we want to live? You know, for, for, for every Moses, there's a Pharaoh, right, who hardens his heart. For every David, a man after God's own heart, there's a King Saul, right, who hardens his heart and rejects the Lord. For, for, every, for every Nicodemus who comes to Jesus at night, there's a Pharisee who sells him out and has him crucified. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Because God wants to use you. God wants to, to shape you into the person he's calling you to be. There is hope for you and me. There's hope for redemption today. So I'm going to pray here in a moment. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You can do it today. It's, it's just a simple step of just saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. You can, you, you can do that with me. That You can give your heart to him to ask for his forgiveness. Maybe for you, you've done that, but you realize, I got some hardness in this heart. I, I, I look like those, those clay pots. I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to be softened by him. So, so come, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. For certain, my words would change nobody, but Lord, your work, it shapes us. It changes us. God, you've been drawing some people close to you here today. Maybe there's some who've never given their life to you. And Lord, I just pray that this would be the day where they say, Jesus, come into my heart. Would you forgive me of my sins? I trust that you paid the price for my sins when you gave your life. I'm going to stop trying to earn it. I'm going to stop pretending I deserve anything. I just want you, Jesus. I just want you. And Lord, some of us, we've made that decision. But if we're honest, we've let our hearts get pretty hardened. We've rejected the things of you. And we need you, Lord. We need you. We need you to come into these hardened hearts to soften us once again. We want to be that clay, Lord, that you can, you can reshape whatever you want. Whatever you want with my life, Lord, do it. Whatever you want with our church, do it. Whatever you want in this community, in this city, do it, Lord. Use us however you want. We just want to be clay in your hands. We're not trying to, to make a name for ourselves or anything like that. We just want to be used by you, Lord. So whatever that means, would you take us, would you use us, would you shape us to be more and more like you? We accept you, Lord Jesus. We accept your guidance because you are good. Because you truly are the one who's worthy of all of our praise, all of our admiration, all of our worship all of our thanksgiving. So that's what we want to give you this day, Lord. We love you.
And we pray this all in Jesus' name.